Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world, as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids. We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation in the Parenting with Impact podcast. This is going to be a really fabulous conversation, I know, because I know these two guests pretty well. (laughs) So I want to welcome Jeremy Didier and Chris Foster, who are lightness and being in so many ways. Like, you guys, when you're with them, it just feels like everything is happy. The universe lights up and buoyant and beautiful. And we're going to talk about something kind of heavy. So like, just know that there's, there's all of this going on, right? So we are here today to talk about ADHD and addiction and complex issues and addiction. And, and while it's a heavy topic, we're going to hold it lightly. Right. Jeremy, you and I have known each other a long time and we've talked about this topic a lot over the years because we both we all have this kind of understanding and theory about the relationship between ADHD and addiction and uh, maybe some ways in which the ADHD and addiction communities don't understand it as well as they might. So we'll see what we get into today. But I want to thank you both for being here and having a really authentic conversation. Absolutely. So excited to be here. Super important. And let's start by telling us, like, what brings you here? Why is this a conversation that you want to be part of or have reason to be part of? Jeremy, let's start with you. Wow. A great question. You know, I think in my personal and my professional life, I have seen too many situations where people have had undiagnosed ADHD and they've tried to self-medicate or figure out a way to balance their brain and, and, and act normal. And unfortunately, you know, they eventually cross that line over into addiction and they still have ADHD. And so then they're trying to manage ADHD and addiction. And they find out that if, you know, maybe they've been diagnosed or appropriately managed uh, as a kid, or even as a young adult, they wouldn't be in the situation that they're in now. And the link between addiction and ADHD is pretty well established, but the consequences are devastating. I work in the jail sometimes, and I work with people who end up in the system because of things that have happened to them. And it's just, it's horrible to know that if someone had gotten the help and the treatment that they needed sooner, they may not have been in the situation. And um, so anything that I can do to, to make people aware of the connection and aware of uh, what they can do to help so that their kids don't end up in the same situation, I'm all on board for that. Yeah, Chris, what beautiful. About you? yeah. So I'm a teacher and I have watched kids that have the unmanaged ADHD or undiagnosed ADHD go down that scary path. And um, a lot of my students right now are in their late 20s and early 30s and and just struggling to get sober. It has been gut-wrenching to watch on some of them 
because when they go down the slope, it's a pretty fast um, descent. And so I'm trying really hard as an educator to be there for my students, both current and former to at least be kind of a sounding board so that they know that there's at least one adult who's not going to judge, who is just going to kind of try and talk to them straight and kind of give them some insights into their little adolescent brains. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you mentioned, Jeremy, is that you're seeing a lot of people who end up in an addiction cycle Mm -hmm. With proper diagnosis and treatment, it could have been avoided. Yes. So speak to that a little bit. Both of you are nodding like, yes. <laughs> well, it seems right. a little counterintuitive, right? I mean, it, it seems strange to think that if someone is struggling, and, and this actually goes, this is true no matter where you are in the ADHD spectrum, I guess, whether you're being diagnosed with ADHD as a child or whether you're an adult with ADHD who's been struggling with addiction. I mean, treating the ADHD makes a huge difference. And, you know, I speak from personal experience. I've I come from a proud line of alcoholics, <laughs> many of whom in recovery, but um, many of whom who also had ADHD and had their ADHD been diagnosed and managed, they may have gone a different direction in life. And when our third child was diagnosed with ADHD, the, the woman that we were working with said, all the research is showing that if you start your child on stimulant medication now, um, chances are he won't ever struggle with addiction. Or if he does struggle, it won't be, he won't be at any greater risk than, than anyone else. And that the stimulant medication can actually help prevent the risk of developing addiction later in someone with ADHD, particularly when there's a genetic history of addiction in the family. What were you going to say? Okay, so I want to clarify what you just said, because there's a lot of information in there that we know well, but the people, there's a lot of misinformation out Mm -hmm. there. Yes. Okay. So here's Far too much misinformation. So too much. So Mm -hmm. what I heard you say is that the people with ADHD are at a higher risk of addiction. Correct. That when that ADHD is treated, is identified and treated early, it can actually reduce the risk of addiction to the same as a typical population. Is that what I heard you say? That is exactly, yeah, exactly correct. And there is some research that shows that it can reduce the risk even further. So, and by treatment, in this case, you're actually talking stimulant medication, pharmacological treatment, or any kind of treatment. Um, stimulant medication is what most of the research has been done in. I mean, certainly, okay. you know, we know the standard of care for treating ADHD is stimulant medication plus cognitive behavioral therapy or executive or, function coaching. Or um, behavior therapy training. Yes, exactly. Yep. But for sure, stimulant medication. And the part that's also interesting too, is that even people who are in recovery, like people who are are going to get treatment, say people who've developed addiction tendencies or or, are struggling with alcoholism or addiction, when they check into the facility, if they have ADHD, a lot of times the recommendation now is to go ahead and start them on stimulant medication right away because it helps with uh, brain recovery from addiction. And if you don't manage people's ADHD, they're going to relapse and not be able to stay sober. So that's a huge change. Yes. Because five years ago, that would not have been the case, I'm guessing. So up until very recently, the typical paradigm was that if somebody moved into the realm of addiction, then the assumption was that means you have to take away the ADHD medication because it's a stimulant. Stimulant, yes. And right. a control substance, yes. And so so that's really shifted very recently. What's, what's changed? What do y'all know about it? 
I mean, more research has been done, you know, and, and it's hard to get research done because there's a lot of, of drug companies that are, are really not in a huge hurry to give people in treatment who are already struggling with addiction, uh, you know, drugs to try, but it really does work. I mean, uh, several recent studies have shown, like I said, like a 70% improvement in cognition for people who are checking into treatment always needs to be a long acting formulation. Um, they don't recommend starting on short acting because it impacts the body differently than long acting stimulants do. But I just think- 70- you know, percent. Mm-hmm. That's not a small number. That, I mean, that's super And I don't throw it out lightly. I, you know, I'm, I'm right. not data. So um, and we'll put data in the show notes to make sure everybody sees yeah, what we're talking right. about here. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about what happens when you treat someone for ADHD? What's the assumption about why that improves outcomes for addiction? So for example, I teach high school. Mm -hmm. If I have a a student who was medicated when they were in elementary school, Mm -hmm. but they stopped taking it because they didn't like how it made them feel or they were having appetite issues or, you know, any of the other side effects, they'll growth except puberty. I know I'm just going to throw that word out. Puberty. Your brain chemistry changes. As your brain chemistry changes, your medications tend to need to be changed too. So if you can continue a course of action where you find one that is better for your particular level in wherever you are in development, I will see a huge change as a teacher. Mm -hmm. As a teacher and with parenting, right, if you're doing Mm -hmm. parenting behavior therapy or therapy treatment, you're going to have a much higher success rate, both academically and socially. But the whole thing is you've also kind of dodged the addiction bullet. Again, I teach high school. Those are the years, the 14 to 25. That's when everyone is experimenting. In my particular city, we have a fentanyl problem. Mm -hmm. You're experimenting you get one bad pill and And you're gone. That's it. Mm -hmm. And I've already lost six former students to fentanyl overdoses. And this is, I talk to my students openly. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you do Mm -hmm. not know where this is coming from. You do not understand. It is like literally, and you know, I teach culinary, so I can literally go get a grain of salt Mm -hmm. and show them how small you know, that fentanyl can do. So if I'm honest with my students and, and I talk to them about this because they've had, you know, a family member that this has happened to, if we can keep the kids open, at least open to the thought of treatment for their ADHD instead of, okay, now you're in high school, you don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. We may be able to get them through those really tricky high, you know, puberty, middle school, high school years so that they aren't going down that path to addiction because they are going to self-medicate. Yeah. You know, So what I think I'm hearing you say is that one of the things that we're seeing is that this is the age of experimentation starting so that if you can can have proper treatment of ADHD or a diagnosis and treatment of ADHD, you're going to reduce the risk of experimenting with other substances. Is that what I'm hearing? I think Jeremy, what would you add? Um, I think that's one great point. I think also if you think about, you know, the social skills and and the fact that people for kids 
with ADHD are three to five years behind their same mm-hmm. age peers in some area or another. Just the social aspect. If your ADHD is managed, you're going to be less likely to do a bunch of impulsive things to try to fit in with people or make friends with, you know, with people who may be older than you or younger than you and trying things that, to Chris's point, may be really scary to try. So if your ADHD is managed and, and you're taking medication and you're able to take in the information that you're hearing from parents and teachers and peers in a positive way, or you're hanging out with, you know, positive, I don't want to say positive influences because there's influences of all kinds everywhere. But if your ADHD is managed, you're less likely to engage in other kinds of uh, impulsive risk-taking behaviors. So there's, there's two things I hear in that there's, there's, it's, it's likely to help manage impulsivity Uh and also improve that self-regulated capacity to say no. Yes. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not that, actually they're they're close, but not the same thing. Right. Yeah, correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the whole self-regulation bit right now. We are still struggling with our kids. Mm-hmm. And this is across the board. This is not just strictly the kids with ADHD, please. COVID threw everyone for a loop. So yeah. you're looking at self-regulation. The seniors this year were freshmen. Right. Okay, so you're we have nothing but middle school acting behaviors in Mm. the school systems right now because these kids were not able to learn the social skills that they're supposed to learn in middle school. Right. Right. So now it's kind of perpetuating. Right. And if you have a student or a, a child that has ADHD or some other kind of neurodiverse um, superpower, uh, then the socialization part mm-hmm. really kind of leads to the impulsivity. They all go hand in hand. They're different, but they kind of dovetail together. So our kids are typically three to five years behind their peers in some aspects of their development. And now you're adding this kind of cultural delay of three mm-hmm. years that we've had with the pandemic. Yeah. So you've got all these kids whose bodies and exposure are still what they would have been, but now they're even less mature enough to handle it. Yeah, correct. If you can even expand on that. Let's make it a little more. <laughs> yes. I mean, if you, if you think about it, well, we know that kids with ADHD are more likely to try substances sooner than their same age peers. So if the average kid takes their first drink at, um, and this is actually not accurate anymore. It used to be like 13. The kid with ADHD. That sounds old to me. That's mm-hmm. it. ADHD takes their first drink at 10 or 11. And we know that ADHD is genetic, right? And so mm-hmm. you also have parents in the house who may have ADHD that is undiagnosed or poorly managed, who may be alcoholics or, you know, engaging in addictive behaviors themselves. And so the kids have really nowhere to go to find a good role model or of what normal looks like. Right. So we're going to take a quick break, then we're going to come back and figure out how people can integrate this information and what to do with it. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or a professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com slash gift. So welcome back. Okay, so we've set the stage for the relationship between ADHD and addiction, the reasons why ADHD has a higher risk of addiction and the reasons why treating it, identifying it and treating it early can actually improve 
the risks of, of addiction. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you report that it is now um, that that bias that used to exist against ADHD medication in treatment centers is no longer universal. And my bet is it's not quite where we want it to be, but that that trend is moving because, yes. you know, we've talked for so many years about if you don't treat the underlying ADHD, mm-hmm. you yep. can't really just say no is not gonna <laughs> move the needle very far. No. Right. So let's move this conversation to what do parents need to know in terms of what do we like? You got a kid with ADHD. You may or may not be concerned about addiction because of their behavior, because of your behavior, partner's behavior, family history. Like what do parents need to understand differently from here, from this conversation moving forward? I would say just really being open and honest with their kid with ADHD and their family. I didn't find out about my ADHD until about eight years ago. And it was life-changing. I mean, my whole life makes sense. Me too. Uh, Right? I got you. (laughs) And and then, so in all of that, I'm, you know, rebuilding relationships with family and realize just how genetic it is. But no one had ever talked about it. And so me being the first one diagnosed as an adult, Mm -hmm. that got the ball rolling, right? I think the other thing is just really being taking the stigma away. I talk a lot about being neurodiverse in my classroom to my students and to all of my colleagues, because I think it's so important that we all embrace and appreciate each other's um, diversity. So when I phrase it and I reframe things in a positive way, man, that just changes it. I have some kids that are rough for other people. Oh my. And I can, they can just walk in my room and it's like, (sighs) they feel seen. They feel feel seen, safe, safe. They feel safe. safe. And my educational research, education has proven that you can keep kids engaged in school if they have one adult in the building mm-hmm. that they feel safe with. And yeah. so I try and be that, that, that person. And, you know, my entire administration knows I harbor fugitives and, and you know, <laughs> I just harbor fugitives, but I can get those fugitives to a point where they can then go on to their academy or a principal's office or counselor because they've been able to self-regulate. I give them mm-hmm. the opportunity to self-regulate. I have to take the opportunity to self-regulate sometimes too. And, you know, being honest with your kids, hey, I need a minute. The adult needs a minute. So I'm modeling the behavior for them. And I think that that's been very helpful for me from that educational point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, my son does not have ADHD which is a little bit interesting to me, but he is neurodivergent. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is, but. So be open and honest, take the stigma away, like Mm -hmm. demystify it, help kids feel seen, safe and trusted. Jeremy, what would you add? We know all of this, right? And we're talking about it now. We have all this research. We know that kids with ADHD are at high risk for developing addictive tendencies. And yet when kids with ADHD are diagnosed, 
what do we do about it? Does their doctor talk to them about it? Is there like a program, you know, to talk about the risks of addiction? You know, where's the education around that? Um, Mm -hmm. So definitely, you know, if your kid has ADHD, educate yourself, make sure you're talking to them about this kind of thing. And we're not talking, just say no. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and what's really important here is that there's, we hear from parents all the time that, well, I don't want to give them any ideas. Oh yeah. Right? <laughs> and and talking to them about their risk of addiction is not giving them the idea. No, no, no. Trust um, me. No, <laughs> not at all. Not at all. And I will be very honest. My son is 23. He graduated college a year ago. He is currently living in South Korea, teaching English to kindergartners. Beautiful. It yeah. is. It's awesome. Fabulous. But he, during his college years, like he literally told me before he left, he does not drink very often yeah. because, you know, he knows there are risks with the neurodivergence that he has. And so hearing and seeing and talking about our family members that do struggle with addiction that are his age or a little older, yeah. he's aware and so it does get in there and, and it's not going to be like, ooh, I'm going to go because they told me to. It's the same thing, you know, when we're looking at um, suicidal ideology, talking about it helps. It's not giving them the idea. The same thing goes here. Yeah. yeah. Excellent well, point. and with early sexuality and with everything mm-hmm. else, kids mm-hmm. will take the information they need right. and we don't realize they're listening as much as they really are. We don't realize they're paying attention as much as they really are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jeremy, what were you at? Well, two things. I mean, to your point, yeah, kids will find the information that they need and are searching for. And I'd much rather it come from someone who's educated about yeah. these kinds of things and they go Incredible out source. Friends, yes, you know? yes. And then as you know, I I say this all the time to my clients, you know, if you treat the parents ADHD and the parents addiction or substance use, you know, disorder, things just get better. And so, you know, it's not, not enough to just talk to your kid and make sure they're treated. If you're an adult with ADHD, um, diagnosed or undiagnosed, get diagnosed. And if you're struggling with, you know, substance use disorder or or addiction challenges, then get treatment for that too. Because lots of studies show that if you just make the parent with ADHD better, the whole family gets better. And addiction is a family disease. It impacts everyone in the family. Right. And so does ADHD. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's whether everybody has it or one person has it, it has an impact on everybody else. Um, As I was hearing you talking, I was thinking about, so when my son was in high school, he took a neuropsych class and ended up doing all of this research on drugs. And I had family members who were like, why are you letting him do that? You know, all of the judgment and all of the shame. And I'm like, are you kidding me? He's doing a deep dive and learning all this stuff and researching. Uh And at one point he looks at me, he's like, Okay, well, at least, you know, here's what you need to know, mom. I don't want to die and I want to know what this stuff is. Yeah. Uh Right. And the better informed they are, the better informed their choices are going to be. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. And so we want to trust that they have the capacity to make good choices. We want to cultivate that capacity. And let's be serious. At some point, they're going to be making those choices. So we really want to foster the decision making and problem solving skills. Yes, exactly. Um, rather than just saying yes, no, you know, or putting consequences in place, which is yeah. often in that way a euphemism for punishments. Mm-hmm. We really want to be helping them think about these issues and inviting them to see themselves as serious in thinking about these issues, not just what I'm hearing you saying, not just about addiction, but also about 
How do you want to manage your ADHD? What is important to you about this? Mm-hmm. And when we can take away the that stigma, then we can take away the tendency to say, stop talking to me about ADHD. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because often when we do it so much, it's our agenda. And what we're really talking about in this conversation is helping it become their agenda. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, and self-advocacy from a teacher's point of view, if I have a student that is open and honest with me as I am open and honest with them, I try really hard to model the behavior I would hope that the kids would show me. So I have a very respectful classroom. I don't have any behavioral issues. I have a kid that has a bad day, but if they're having a bad day, they tell me and I leave them alone. Because I'm right. And so being able to do all of that and have that and give them those opportunities to truly come into their own. Ah, that for me is what it's about. I mean, I wish there was a way that we could get the diagnosis process so that it was not so expensive and so hard to like, it is a lengthy process. It is a complicated diagnosis. It really you know, is. you have to, you have to really be willing to stick to it and go through all of the phases, if you will, of the diagnosis process. And that I think if we can somehow make it so that it's not so scary for mm-hmm. parents, that would be yeah. helpful too. you. Agree. So we have to wrap up this conversation as interesting as, as important as it is. It's so important. We had talked about, I'd said, how do people find out more about this or about you? And your first thing you said is I send them to you, right? To Impact Parents. So we'll put some links on Impact Parents. So I appreciate that. And what we'll do, what, is there anything else? Or do we want to just sort of tell people we're going to put some links in the, in the chat for AA and NAMI and impact parents and recovery links and that kind of thing. Is there anything else? I think those are probably the most helpful ones right now. Okay. So Mm -hmm. we'll make sure to put some good links in the, in the show notes for people who are looking for more information on this. And I want to come back to each of you and ask you, is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today? Either something you want to kind of come back to and really highlight or what you hope parents will take away from today. Chris, can we start with you? Sure. I really, well, for starters, very honored to be in this company. I positively adore both of you. (laughs) And, you know, I really just the open and honest communication. I think that Mm -hmm. communication piece, we have to do all of these things together. And if we have open communication, so much more can be accomplished when the parent is able to talk to the teacher and the teacher is able to talk to the parent and the student gets their voice in there so that they're truly heard. A lot of the kids will tell me that, you know, they just don't feel heard. And I think that that for me is really one of the big keys for me. Yeah. Thank you. Jeremy, what? I too adore both of you. So thank you for inviting me to be here. I think the things that that are kind of yelling in the back of my head are it's never too late. You know, it's never mm. author's message. It's never too late yeah. to, to get treatment. It's never too late to uh, make life changes. Um, and you know, we didn't 
dig too much into the recovery piece of it, but if, you know, if you're an adolescent or a young adult that's, that's trying to stay sober and is experiencing challenges, um, you know, in the recovery community, that can be challenging to navigate as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just want to remind people that there are thousands of ways to get and stay sober these days. And so if the one that you're working with right now is not working for you, change the channel find a different one because Mm -hmm. most cities and now with COVID too, I mean, one of the good things about COVID is that there are recovery meetings around the clock on zoom around the world. You can always find one. If you don't like the one you're in, go to a different one because that can be a little tricky to navigate sometimes as well. And so that's something that we probably do want to talk about in the future, but for now it's never too late. There's always, always a chance to get help. Beautiful. And I'm going to Probe one more on that one, if you're okay with it, because we haven't talked about that a lot. And and I I love that notion that there are thousands of ways to get recovery support. Mm -hmm. If someone has ADHD Mm -hmm. and is running up against the obstacle of of support that allows them to continue to manage their ADHD, what advice do you have? Find a different meeting. (laughs) Different meeting or a different provider, I'm guessing. um, yeah, I mean, there are definitely providers and physicians who still have this yeah. notion. Yeah. But there's yeah. A, like, like we said at the beginning, I mean, we, we, there is much work still to be done. There are people who still yeah. believe, that, you know, you can't prescribe stimulant medication to people who are struggling with addiction issues. Um, and there are recovery groups out there who will tell you that if you're taking medicine, that you're, you're not sober, that you can't take medicine and be sober. Yeah. And I have kids coming out of treatment centers who were not allowed to be, yeah. we're not treated for their ADHD in a treatment center. Right. Yeah. Right. No, that, that happens. And so, and it's really unfortunate that we don't have, um, I guess, more progress, you know, across the board there, but there are enough people out there who are educated. And if you are running into brick walls, then, then, you know, reach out to, to us, reach out to. Absolutely. To, yep. We'll connect you. We'll with direct you. you. We'll send you in the right direction or a new direction. Yes. I think it's you find I think your right direction. The conversation, just continuing to have the conversation over and over and over again, because the more you have it, the more people hear it, the more people hear it, the, you know, it's an ongoing thing. And if I have to be the cheerleader, I will be the cheerleader because there's far too many, you know, people at risk right now. And, you know, that's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And beautiful. Thank you. I love it. So we always end our sessions with a favorite quote or motto. Do you have a quote or motto that you want to share? Okay, I'm going to do mine. So this has been my teaching motto for my entire teaching career. So 20, however many, 25 years or whatever. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. I like that. Because, you know, we're don't judge, you know, don't judge. And so we just kind of talk about it in in those kinds of ways. So it's not better. It's not worse. It's It's just just different. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. I think I'm going to steal the the, the impact one and, and just enjoy the ride, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, the relationship is the most important thing with your kid, with your partner. Make sure you're focused on that and, and don't forget to enjoy the ride. Yeah, that's beautiful. And those of you who don't know, when, when we first started Impact Parents or Impact ADHD at the time, our tagline was enjoy the ride. And we had a lot of parents who didn't even believe it was possible. So the tagline changed to helping parents help kids. Yeah. And what I've been saying a lot lately is helping parents help kids so that you can enjoy the ride. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you. I love that. I appreciate that. Both of you, thank you for 
for being ambassadors for powerful and important conversations. Happy to be and, here. Um, Absolutely. And doing what you're doing, each of you in your own ways, really powerful, profound work in the world. Thank you. Thank you. We, I think you're doing the same thing. Yes, exactly. You're saving lives. Absolutely. And to those of you listening, you're listening because you're trying to make it better and make it different and make a difference. And I want to ask you to take a minute before you turn off whatever you're listening to or forward on to the next to think about what are you taking away from this conversation that you've just listened to? What did you, what did you get from it? What's your insight, your aha? What do you want to take away and take with you into this coming week? What will serve you as you move forward into your week? And as always, thank you for what you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, it makes an enormous difference. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.